Okay, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Roy and I, it seemed like a couple weeks ago, Tim Lansing was with us back in, in Indiana, and he had been even further than we had, and uh, then came over and joined us. Pastor Roy and I traveled uh, uh, through uh, Illinois and Indiana, uh, gosh, it was just a hundred years ago, the center of the United States of America was Indianapolis, Indiana. Can you believe it? Just a hundred years ago. And then, of course, uh, just like uh, my father-in-law, my wife Claudia, her dad and family, uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, right? Minnesota. And uh, he came and fought like my dad did in World War II. And uh, when they discharged him, uh, he served here uh, uh, in California. And when they discharged him, he uh, went down to San Diego to the fishing docks and uh, looked for a job and got a job and ended up being an executive with Chicken of the Sea after that. Uh, that's the story. People started moving west, uh, World War II. And I don't know where the center of America today is. It's probably Phoenix, Arizona. I hope it's not Blight, California. That is probably one of those. Uh, it's moved out west. Uh, it's probably more like Denver now or something. But uh, I was just thinking about it the other day. Uh, and this week, uh, Pastor Roy and I went through Illinois and we went east uh, into Indiana. And we passed so many cornfields. Uh, I can't believe it. And it uh, just makes me think, though, that if you plant corn seeds in the ground, after a couple months, what do you expect to get? Corn, right? Why do you, why do you expect to get corn? Because five words that'll be, uh, I'll ask you to say them with me here today. You reap what you sow. Okay? You reap what you sow. Okay? Now let's suppose uh, Ron uh, back here go, gets uh, goes to Home Depot this week and gets a couple ten gallon containers and buys a couple packets of tomato seeds and uh, puts them in there, there and uh, uh, puts them in a patio or something so it gets through the winter. Uh, what can you expect to get out of those buckets of soil and tomato seeds? Tomatoes. Why do you expect to get tomatoes? Because you reap what you sow. Sort of a law of life, isn't it? You can sort of expect it to happen that way. And you know what? It does. And part of the confusion of what we're going to look at in God's Word here in these moments today is that we think we can get away. We can break the rules about you reap what you sow. Okay, give me your driver's license and car registration and insurance. Officer, uh, I'm in a hurry. Yeah, buddy, we're all in a hurry. Officer, you don't understand. I'm a minister and I'm on my way to a church service. Uh-huh. Officer, I, I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. Can we get this over with? <laughs> well, Mr. Reverend Todd, uh, what do you think you're guilty of? Oh, officer. I'm guilty. You're guilty. All God's people are guilty, officer. <laughs> <laughs> you reap what you sow. You get the idea? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the rule of life, isn't it? It is, whether you agree with it or not. It's reality 101, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's how we uh, live our lives. 
But sometimes we think we can break that rule of you reap what you sow. We think the law of consequences don't apply to us, right? Right. You can spend without getting into debt. You can spend all you want without getting into debt. I told my sons who are now adults, I told them, you can have anything you want. And they have their little amount. You can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. You got that. There's a limitation to it. You can lie and not get caught. You can let your... Uh, we break the rule about uh, reaping what you sow. Uh, you can let your temper fly and say all kinds of things and do all kinds of things. And it won't damage any relationships. You probably know I have a son in law enforcement. I have three sons, Claudia and I do. And uh, one of our sons in law enforcement, and uh, one of the most dangerous uh, 911 calls there is domestic violence. Where two people, a husband and wife, man and a woman, uh, two partners, uh, violence. We think we can break this rule in parenting. Uh, I don't have to discipline my kids. And they'll turn out great. I can neglect prayer and Bible study and worship and grow strong in my relationship with God. Claudia and I celebrated our wedding anniversary just yesterday and uh, in my we went to dinner and we talked we started talking about uh, the years uh, of our marriage two four and six year married year two year four year six we had kids year five year five the earthquake the 1987 earthquake we had just moved into our house 30 days. That was year five of our marriage. And we have all figured out. We just moved in uh, 30 days before. And the Sunday before the earthquake, I sent my insurance guy out the door when he told me earthquake insurance would cost $2,000. I had $2,000. Nobody else did except the Rockefellers. You know? I said, there'll never be an earthquake like that here to here. <laughs> that was Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Thursday. <laughs> okay. You get the idea? But we have an attempt to try to avoid these laws, these consequences. And it becomes a big obstacle with God trying to avoid the consequences of life. Consequences that He has set in motion. There's a whole book of the Bible about you reap what you sow. So would you turn with me there? The book of Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. After Joshua. Let's read a few verses. Beginning with uh, Judges chapter 1. Start at the beginning because it says Judges chapter 1 verse 1. It says after the death of Joshua. So we know sort of when it... Uh, Moses and then Joshua and after his death. Okay, verse 4. Then Judah went up and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. They found Adonabezek 
at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonah Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Gross. And Adonah Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off. Used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. You got it? As I have done, so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. There was a time, my dad was a car salesman, and uh, one of his clients uh, came in to his business one day and bought a car, he was getting repaired, and my dad's name was Ray, he said, Ray, you know, you really should be going to church. He goes, why? Well, he says, well, your kids are young, and it's always good to get your kids trained. And uh, the guy's name was Fred. And uh, so Fred told my dad, so they started taking me to church. But you know what? In all the years, I went to Sunday school and saw flammograph. I never saw a picture of this king with his thumbs and his toes cut off, his big toes cut off. Not all his toes, big toes cut off. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about, you know, shaking hands with somebody, you know, and this kind of thing? And uh, but that, that, that's the king. You know, it's just sort of a gross story at the beginning of Judges about you reap what you sow. You sow. Oh, what's the story? What's the lesson? The king says, as I have done, so it has been done unto me. This was a violent day in the history of the world. It was uh, torture, it was kill or be killed, you know, that kind of thing. But this was gross. It was torture. And that's what this king did. He would catch, they would uh, fight a city or a territory, and they would prevail, and the leader, the king of that group, would get his thumbs cut off and his big toes, and then he would come and uh, serve at the... uh, and the table, underneath the table of the king, and eat it. Eat the food that fell off the table. You sow what you reap. That's the story of the uh, nature of the world at this time. You sow terror. And this king thought, I can sow terror. I can cut off the big thumbs. I can cut off the big toes. And I'll reap honor and glory for myself. He was bragging about it. He was proud of what he did. He did it to all those kings. Notice what he doesn't say there in uh, verse 7 of Judges 1. Adonabezek said, 70 kings, 70 kingdoms he had conquered with their thumbs and big toes cut off. He doesn't say uh, what my enemies did to me, uh, what I did to them and they've done it to me now. He doesn't say, uh, I did it to all these people and the Jews have done this to me. This is a pagan guy. He's an atheist for all intents and purposes. He says, what I've done to others, God has done to me. See that verse 7? God has repaid me. All those years, all that torture, somebody was watching. Somebody noticed. Justice has come my way. Now, I know there's some people believe in karma, what you do comes back to you and all that kind of thing. It's not saying, the Bible's not saying there's a law of consequences here. It's saying there's a law of consequences in the universe. It's saying there's a God of justice over the universe. Law of consequences? No. A God of justice over the universe. That's the message. Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, 
Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. It's a simple message. What's the message? If someone says after this sermon, what was the sermon all about? Say it with me. You reap what you sow. There's the message. If somebody says corn, smack them. <laughs> what was the message about tomatoes? No. <laughs> That's right. Here's the whole book of the Bible saying this. And God's trying to say, if you defy God, if you defy me, and you try to ignore me, and you sin, there are consequences that will come to you. Physically, geopolitically, spiritually, emotionally. And so what did God do to the people of Israel when they ignored him? He gave them over to pirates then. Chapter 2 of Genesis, uh, Judges. Okay? Just one page over. Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Verse 11 of Judges 2. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. What they do? They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served other gods. They served the Baals. They forsook the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He gave them into the hands of pirates, raiders. And they plundered them. And the people of Israel were in great distress. And they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord sent them a delivery. He sent them a judge. And everybody walked with the Lord. While the judge said, this is the way to walk. There will be consequences if you don't. And so the people forgot. When the judge died, the people sort of lost their memory. Does that sound familiar sometimes with leadership? You get the cycle going on. God, God brings his people into the promised land. They follow the Lord. The leaders die. They sort of lose their memory. Uh, they have good shalom, good peace at the beginning, but then they sort of drift. Yeah. People get complacent when... Uh, Things go along, don't they? Yeah, it can happen. Happen to you and I. And this leads the people of Israel to sin. And sin always leads to what? Distress. And there's going to be pain. And when there's pain, what do you do? You cry out to the Lord. So God raises deliverers up. And that's Judges too. And they're called Judges. And the Judges bring about peace. And the cycle starts all over again until God brings a new Judge. That's chapter 2 of Judges. Judges 3. They live in sin. They fall into the hands of their enemies. And they are in distress. And they cry again to the Lord in Judges 3. And the Lord raises up a deliverer named Othniel. More judges. And they were military and political leaders. There were no kings in this time. Remember the first king in Israel was Saul. Which is still several hundred years from now. The Lord raises up Othniel. The land has rest for 40 years. I say rest. Peace. Shalom. 
But then Othniel dies, and you hope, well, they've learned their lesson by now. They'll just uh, ask someone else to be a good leader to them. That's a nice idea, but it doesn't always happen that way. So here in Judges chapter 3 now, beginning with verse 11. So the land had rest for 40 years. Judges 3.11. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Jerah, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man, and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret for you, O king. And he commanded silence, and all his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in the cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, and Ehud reached with his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, and the, the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came, and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely the king is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them. And there lay their Lord dead on the floor. What's a story? Here's a man that's handicapped in his right hand. It doesn't mean he was ambidextrous. Ambidextrous means you can use your left hand or right hand like when I see the Dodgers play or something and um, a batter can bat from the left or from the right. This man was handicapped in his left. He was hindered in the language of the, uh, the Bible was written. He was hindered in his right hand. Handicapped. Couldn't, couldn't use his right hand. So he was left-handed. And uh, God uses him. Isn't that amazing? Not oftentimes do you see a left-handed person mentioned in the Bible. There are many. And so why does the Bible mention a left-handed guy? Is that because God hardly ever uses left-handed people? No, no, no. By the way, uh, I'm left-handed. <laughs> if you didn't know. How many of you are left-handed? Two, three of us, four? That's right. There you go. He was hindered, though. Uh, some people might say, well, that just means God can use people that aren't perfect. Oh, Let's have all the perfect people, perfect people sit over here next Sunday. Yeah. None of us are, are we? We're all a piece of work, aren't we? Yeah, we all have broken parts. And we all spend our lives trying to compare 
our, our broken parts with other people's broken parts. Uh, the judges are interesting characters. Either way, Ehud dies, and God used a, a man with limitations to accomplish his, you reap what you sow. Next in uh, Judges chapter 4 is a warrior named Cicero. Judges 4, beginning with verse 1. We'll read just a couple verses. Judges 4, beginning with verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after he who died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of the army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth, Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. How cruel was this uh, General Cicero? Well, he said, uh, two women for every man. And it goes on for 20 years. This wasn't two servants. Uh, this was two slaves, two sex slaves. Imagine this. Somebody's sister became a sex slave. And so Israel cried out to God. But what's the rule? You reap what you sow. And so in verse 4 of Judges 4, Deborah, prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. To verse 5, she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came to her for judgment. There it is. Deborah was leading Israel. And this is one of the few judges that really walked with God that we're told about. She was entrusted with the role of judge and prophet. Notice anything else unique about this uh, judge in the book of Judges? She was the highest ruler in Israel. And she was married to a man. And God used her. Her husband was part of Israel. She was leading Israel, and God chose her. Does God choose women? Does God use women? You bet. Okay, so now verse 6. Deborah sent and summoned Barak, uh, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon, with his chariots and his troops. And I will give him into your hand. Barak said, uh, verse 8, Judges 4, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. This time, Sisera loses in the battle. And he runs, the passage in Judges 4 tells us, he runs behind the tent of a woman, another woman. 
This woman's name is Jael. J-A-E-L, not J-A-I-L. No one would even think to look for a king in the tent of a woman. It wasn't done in those days. Uh, Jael, though, has seen Sisera and the enemy oppress them for 20 years. So she brings in the king. He comes in and she says, Here, lay down, take a nap. And uh, he lays down in her lap. And she takes a stake, a wood stake, and drives it through his head while he's sleeping and kills him. Remember what he did at the beginning of his reign of terror? He said, Two women for two sex slaves, a woman for every man. How many women kill him? Two women for one man. Deborah the judge and Jael the woman. And she drives that peg into his temple. Until the Bible tells us, until it went in the ground. How strong you got to be to do that? Twenty years he treated women worse than an animal. And he thought he got away with it, didn't he? Yep. I can sow sexual contests. Con, uh, sexual conquest and cruelty and it won't, I, won't, I can get away with it. Two women end up defeating a man. Okay, maybe Israel finally learned now, right? In Judges 4. And Judges 5 to the end of the book of Judges is happily ever after. Look with me at Judges 6 for verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Whoops. They didn't learn, did they? The cycle gets repeated 12 times in the book of Judges. And there, guess how many Judges there are in the book of Judges? 12. How many times does it get repeated? 12. <laughs> in every case, we see this repeated over and over again. Sin and pain and sin and pain and sin and pain. If you don't get anything else, God's saying, if you defy me, if you do evil, it's going to lead to this. What's it going to lead to? You reap what you sow. There it is. And so by the time you get to Gideon, it doesn't say that anymore. The land had rest, it had peace, it had shalom. But then things get darker again. Dark stuff. A new refrain crops up. In the book of Judges. We see it clearly. The best one I would bring to your attention is in Judges 17. It's not the end of the book of Judges or the end of the story of their doing what they feel they want to do. Judges 17. And it says, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How's that? Verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What kind of world does that sound like? Everyone doing what was right in their own eyes? The year 2021. My sisters were up in Seattle. My sisters are retired. They were in Seattle and they visited a friend who just had passed away a couple days after they visited her. She was on dialysis seven days a week over in Spokane. But they were in Seattle. Uh, I heard another man just talk about the turmoil in Seattle. Everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. There it is. It's a disaster, isn't it? 
It's a disaster how the book of Judges ends. Everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. It's a life without God is what it is. There's a law of consequences in this world. You reap what you sow. And when people maintain justice and treat the widows properly and the orphans and they don't exploit them, when they honor God in their lives and in their worship, Israel had overall prosperity. But when there was greed and deceit and corruption, things got terrible. The man that works on our cars in our family is a Romanian man who came over in the 1980s, just before uh, Russia fell and ultimately freedom came to Eastern Europe, or so, if you know the Eastern European story. Uh, there was a man, though, prior to the 1980s, before freedom came, uh, who wrote a book. A man in Czechoslovakia wrote a book about economics and how when people practice honesty and respect and all the values of life, how it's good for the people. I could have quoted him a Bible verse. Happy is the people, or blessed is the people, Proverbs, Solomon said in Proverbs, happy is the people who, what? Whose God is the Lord. Uh-huh. When people do right, the people rejoice, the Bible says. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, this guy was one of the first books ever written on economics and the book of Judges. Quite interesting. He went through economics and how when the people of God, and these stories in the Bible, not only just Judges, but other stories, how when the people of Israel followed God and did what God said, things went well with the people. There was prosperity and blessing. You see why the Amish live the way they do? Uh, and they follow God and they go to church and they believe that too. You, they believe you reap what you sow. There it is. The point is in eternity God reigns, doesn't he? Uh-huh. Does anybody get away with anything in eternity? Absolutely nothing. We pray to our Father. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. There it is. On earth. Grandparenting, Claudia and I love grandparenting. You have all of the joys of parenting with none of the exhaustion that comes. This week our granddaughter came over and uh, she and I spent a little time doing a family project and uh, Claudia told me, she said, you know, your granddaughter's never going to forget what you did today with her. I said, I hope not too. And by the way, uh, it was Claudia's idea, <laughs> what we did. Yeah. Guys, isn't that true? Sometimes our wives come up with the best ideas, you know, and I get the credit. <laughs> I'll tell my granddaughter one of these days if she asks. Or Claudia can tell her. Yeah. But if I'm a parent, not a grandparent, if I'm a parent, am I sowing peace and love and laughter and discipline and time with my kids? I told Claudia along the way when our kids were in elementary school, I said, you know, honey, I want my kids someday 
to say, I thank the Lord my dad's a pastor. Or my dad was a pastor. If I'm dead and they look back or they're at my funeral or something. Uh, I still pray that. If I'm uh, dating, uh, am I showing honor and maturity and respect for the person I'm dating and sexual purity? In your financial life, are you showing generosity and simplicity? In your friendships, are you showing loyalty? In your speech, are you showing truth? In your habits, are you showing self-control? And by the way, in habits, I think uh, besides am I sowing self-control? Uh, I met a guy the other day who's uh, a, a drug rehab counselor. Uh, the other word is not only self-control, but am I uh, helping people deal with the impulsivity uh, that's in our world? Uh, yeah, I've been amazed at some of the things, uh, some of these... Uh, whistleblowers for some of these social media companies that said, you know what? I sit in meetings. Here's a training manual on how to get kids to be impulsive and to behave in a way they never would have, but we can train them to be tri to have triggers to be impulsive about certain behaviors that they never would have chosen. I go, my goodness, I can't believe this. In your family, are you sowing compassion? God says, everyone will reap what they sow. You say, but I've sown sin and death, and I won't reap that. God says what? What a man sows, he will reap. So what's going on in the book of Judges? Every time the deliverance was temporary, it wasn't permanent, was it? God, save us! And he saves them and sends them a judge. And they behave well for a few years. But you see, they were flawed, flawed people. Folks, you and I are too, aren't we? We're all a piece of work. No human being can bring the deliverance we need. And granted, grant us, granted, God said, in the fullness of time, I will what? I'll intervene in history and I'll break the cycle of sin. Don't you like that? God said, I'll break the cycle of sin. There was a man that was going to come and judge the world. And what did that man say? Jesus said, I did not come to judge the world. I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. There it is. There it is. And if you ask Jesus to be your leader and your forgiver, he can do it. He'll do it. And at the cross, God dealt with the law of consequences. And it's going to get turned upside down. And it did at the cross of Jesus. But you could say this sin is mine, but the death was his. The sin is mine, the death was his. The guilt is mine, the punishment was his. And that's the offer, isn't it? Transformation. And Jesus is right here. And he wants to meet you. Whatever you've sown that you wish you hadn't sown, it doesn't have to get the last word. Let me say it again. Whatever you've sown, and you don't want it, it doesn't have to be the last word in your life. Does it? The last word can be forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I need a 
Savior. There it is. There it is. That's what God says to you today. And I tell you what God has told me. God loves you more than you can imagine. And I'll give you one more. God loves you just the way you are. Not as you should be. Because none of us is as we should be. God loves you just the way you are. Not as you should be. Because none of us is as we should be. You say, give me a Bible verse on that. Because I know it can almost go against what the, you think the Bible teaches. Romans 5.8 God proved His love for us while what? We were sinners. You see, there's the verse. God loves you the way you are. Not as you should be. Because none of us is as we should be. Whatever you've done, whatever the darkness that came at the cross, it can remove what you've done and wash it white as snow. Would you pray? Lord, I pray that this moment would be that moment that some of us let go of the darkness and you wash it white as snow and so Lord I'm asking that some in the quietness of this room right now before we sing they'll say Lord let this moment be my moment if there's ever been a moment in my life Lord let it be now that you can turn my darkness into light with your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, thank you all for coming today. Uh, welcome those that are new to our church or visitors. Say hi to them as we go out. Uh, just a few announcements. Uh, your third quarter, third quarter summary reports are in the back, so check your folders. Um, also want to give a shout out for the birthdays coming up. Uh, my lovely wife Jennifer, hers is on the 14th on Thursday, Thomas Irving on the 15th, and Alan Patton happens to be here on the 15th also. So um, if you see them, wish them a happy birthday. Uh, also, I want to acknowledge that tomorrow is Veterans D-Day, so I want to thank the veterans. I know Gary, Tom, uh, Don, I don't know who else, we have a lot of uh, veterans. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, please uh, pray for them. And uh, we also have a lot of events coming up. So check your bulletin. Uh, Heights of Grace went out uh, yesterday. We had a wonderful time at the farmer's market painting uh, pumpkins with the kids. Tim brought his kids. We had a lot of great conversations. Um, I would encourage you to come out with us. We're going to be going out on the 23rd again. And then um, actually on Tuesday or Sunday, that 24th, uh, the day after, Alan will be here with us to share. Uh, so let me pray us out. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, Richard's message, your message about how we sow and what we sow. We know that we are to sow the good seed, the good seed being Jesus Christ, the Word of uh, God, and obviously um, the good news of the salvation, but also that we should be sowing um, for our kids spiritual things, not the things of the earth, not the things of this world that are so uh, prevalent in our society today, not the things of, uh, of uh, man, but the things that are spiritual and of God. And we just thank you for that message. I just uh, thank you for each and every person you brought here. I pray for safe passage home, and I pray that you'll bring them back to us this week. Um, and also pray for uh, Pastor Roy. Please continue to pray also for our pastoral search as we um, get ready to do interviews. And we just uh, put a place that all in your hands. And I just pray that your will would be done in Jesus' name. Have a great week. Amen.